Before we get started, you already know about the Low Post with Zach Lowe and the Hoop Collective featuring Brian Windhorst. But have you listened to the VC show with eight-time NBA All-Star Vince Carter and co-host Roz Gold on Wooday? They talk all things basketball with some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment and give their unfiltered thoughts on the NBA. Plus, Vince will share stories from his illustrious 22-year career. That's the VC Show. Listen where you are listening to this podcast. We just confirmed the coaches for season 31 of The Ultimate Fighter. Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler will go head-to-head as the coaches of The Ultimate Fighter, Team McGregor versus Team Chandler. This season premieres Tuesday, May 30th, and runs through Tuesday, August 15th on ESPN The Network and ESPN Plus. Boom. There you have it. Announced Team Chandler versus Team McGregor on The Ultimate Fighter and then fighting later this year. Conor was the fight that I wanted. Conor has expressed interest in wanting to fight me, and now here we are. I want to win this thing. I don't just want to beat Conor later this year whenever the fight happens. I want to beat Conor badly on tough. I don't even want him to win a fight. I still got one dude on my mind. Conor McGregor, heading to Vegas, baby. What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my guy, Ryan Clark. That news made a lot of people happy, none more than Ryan Clark. But before we get to that, we got to talk about what we do on the show. We're going to talk about UFC 284. We tap in and tap out. I also spoke to Islam Makashev and Mm -hmm. Alexander Volkanovsky together. We go face-to-face with those two. But Ryan Clark, big news, my friend, coming out of Vegas last weekend. As you head into a big weekend at the Super Bowl, how's everything going, my guy? Man, this is another Super Bowl, DC. What are you talking about? I get two Super Bowls in two weeks, bro. Connor's coming back, and we get Philly, Kansas City. You know what happened? The sports gods were looking down on me, and they said to themselves, we want to make Ryan happy. And he reached out and touched Dana White and said, Dana, do this for Ryan. And he did. And you gave me the two number one seeds in the Super Bowl. I just couldn't be happier. I'm trying to figure out a way that me and Jordan can get into the tough house for some of this filming. And we'll see if we can make it work. Hey, bro. Let me tell you something. You and Jordan be just like praying for stuff to happen in sports. And now he got Izzy back last week. You get Conor back this week. Y'all just getting blessed over and over again. But you are heading out to the Super Bowl. That's why we are on today on Monday. Ryan, I could have went to the Super Bowl, but as a kid from Louisiana, I never thought I would turn it down. But my daughter has a national gymnastics competition in Orlando, so I am choosing to go with Marquita, right? So it's more important for me to go watch her compete. But the Super Bowl, big week for you in the NFL. Big week for the UFC as we go UFC 284. But before we get to that, RC, and before we get to those guys in the main event later in the show, Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler are not only fighting, they're coaching the Mm -hmm. ultimate fighter, but here's where it it tells you how big Conor is. Conor's not coaching the ultimate fighter just on ESPN+. They're going to run this ultimate fighter on ESPN. He goes, goes, what's it called, Uh, linear. Conor McGregor gets linear television with the ultimate fighter. How big is this for the sport to have that reality show on ESPN and on ESPN+. Plus, Bro, you can't 
you can't put it into words or measure what Conor McGregor means to the UFC from a sense of publicity, but also when you look at marketing and actual success and ratings. And ESPN understands that. ESPN ain't new to broadcasting sports. And they understand how Conor McGregor moves the needle. And if you're Dana White, if you're the UFC, this is why Conor McGregor seems to have different rules when it comes to the fights that he's able to get, the cards that he's able to headline based on where he is in his career and winning. And when Conor McGregor comes back, the UFC elevates. And we're going to see it not only elevate in the sense of the pay-per-views of this fight versus Michael Chandler, but also what ESPN is able to do with the ultimate fighter. And just the excitement that's already surrounding this lets you know why ESPN made this decision, DC. But I want to ask you this question. We saw the video of the guy that was basically like, man, I'm coaching against a UFC Hall of Famer. How in the hell am I supposed to win this wrestling match? But... When you think about Connor and Michael Chandler as coaches of the Ultimate Fighter, who are you picking as the best coach? I would probably say in terms of coaching Michael Chandler because he was in the college wrestling world. He was wrestling under a coach like that. Connor never did those uh, team sports all the way up through college. But I think for as important as Michael Chandler can be to the young athletes as a wrestling guy, a coach. I believe that for him, it's more important to understand and try to prepare himself to deal with the mind games. He is going to be under constant attack by Conor McGregor. And Ryan, I'm telling yeah. you, it is not a week. It's not two weeks. It's six weeks with someone right. that you are going to fight with. And for the annoying guy, me, I tried to poke at Stipe. Connor was poking at Uriah Faber the whole time. Even though they weren't fighting, he managed to cause such a dissension in that team that TJ Dillashaw, who wasn't even the coach against him, left alpha male because he was convincing Uriah that he was a backstabber. Just, he's going to be under constant <laughs> attack from McGregor, and he can't allow for McGregor to get into his head too much. But we did feel Bro. like this would be the fight. You and I have talked about it for a while. Chandler yeah. is a good style matchup for, for, for McGregor, and I think that it works. And I think that Chandler is the right dance partner for the return. DC, you know what I like about this is these two dudes, though it's going to be an extremely exciting fight, couldn't be different humans. It is literally no. impossible <laughs> to dislike Michael Chandler. If you dislike Michael <laughs> Chandler, I question your character. Right. This dude is an amazing fighter, an amazing father, amazing husband, like loves everybody. No hate in his blood at all. And then I don't have to explain to you who Conor McGregor is. And so I think that that's a super cool, you know, added characteristic that this show can have. But let's get away from the matchup of the coaches, the matchup of the fighters and just talk simply from. An MMA UFC point of view, DC, as someone who's been in that octagon, who calls fights now, who is so much in, intertwined in what the UFC is, how big of it, how big of a boost or how important is it that Conor McGregor has returned? 
you know, it's a massive boost for the sport in general. The Ultimate Fighter could not have gotten anything better. Because even when Dana announced last year that the Ultimate Fighter was coming back, it was met with a very tempered reaction. Because it was, well, the show's been going for so many years. What can they do to make it different? How does it do better? And then we had the coaches last year were – who were the coaches last year, Jake? Somebody whispered in my ear who the coaches were on last year's uh, season of The Ultimate Fighter. Uh, Amanda Nunes, oh, yeah, Juliana Pena. It was Amanda Pena. and Juliana, right? So it's like that, right? So it's like even that, me having the question, well, who were the coaches on The Ultimate Fighter last year, it was very tempered. But when you get Conor McGregor, when you get the biggest star in the game, and he's saying, I'll do Vegas for six weeks. I'll coach these kids against Michael Chandler. It is a massive boost. And I can only imagine the conversations in the back and forth that had to go into making this happen. Ryan, you know, very few people understand, like, when you go to coach the ultimate fighter, some people in the beginning got cars. You might have got a car. You might have got, like, an Escalade. Josh Koscheck got, like, a brand-new Range Rover. You get these things. I got money. <laughs> I'd rather the cash. You know, I'm from Louisiana. But it's like, you don't know what you're going to get. But could you imagine what you have to give Conor McGregor to draw him into doing the ultimate fighter? Or do you believe Conor just did it like, you know what, man, I want to make a big statement in my return, and this is the best way to do it, being in front of everybody for six to eight weeks right before the fight? I think the like the the big thing with, with Conor now is he has to remind everybody again before the fight. Mm. A lot of times it's, it's just about the buildup to the fight, or we already know so much about Conor McGregor that – we're drawn in already. And it's the the Dustin Poirier matchup in his last two fights. So it was kind of that bad blood there. It was a rematch coming into fight two. Connor was being nice, Connor. Then he turned back into evil Connor. So you had all of these other pieces going into those fights. You don't really have that with Michael Chandler. What you have with Michael Chandler is the expected excitement of what's going to happen in the octagon when these two meet. But Connor's been away for a while. He doesn't get that buildup that we had with Jose Aldo, or it isn't the following that he built headed into that fight. So this is different. So for six weeks on, like you said, linear TV on the big network, we're not even putting this on ESPN2 or something like that. You get to see Conor McGregor again. You get to see him in his fullness. You get to see him as a coach. You get to see him as a man. We're going to see certain things when he's explaining to guys how to throw that left hand or what's the perfect kick. And it's going to start to remind you and give you that nostalgia of, oh, yeah, that's who Conor mm-hmm. McGregor is. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's why we fell in love with him. And so I think it's a smart strategic and marketing move by Connor to say, Connor to say, nah, I'm not just proper, proper whiskey anymore. Like I'm still that dude that all of you people grew to love. But speaking of a dude that we all love and someone that used to strike fear in the hearts of his opponents in the octagon, Derek Lewis lost again to Sergey Spivak this weekend. And I remember last week, DC, we were talking about tapping in or tapping out on Derek Lewis being able to win this fight. And I said, I don't think he can win it, DC. I believe he's done. And your response to me was, I don't know if Spivak is that guy to do it. And now we see him submitted early on in this fight. In watching Derek Lewis, DC, 
Was any part of you saying, you know what? This might be time to stop. It's hard, right, Ryan? Because you and I were talking about this last week, and I spoke about how you can you speak so freely because you have no relationships to kind of like keep in the sport, right? So it's very refreshing to walk like that. Whereas Derek Lewis and I are buddies after we fought. Right. And even last week when I said, I think he's done at the top, but I don't know if he still can't beat these types of guys. He came back at me, threw an insult at me, and, and was just very sensitive. But come to find out, I might have been giving him too much credit. And that's sad. Right? Like, that's a sad thing that he might, I might have been giving him too much credit because I was saying maybe he can't beat five to one anymore, but seven to 15, he can still get those yeah. guys. But not only did he lose, he got wiped out. He got wiped yep. out. And now he has lost to Cyril Ganway. He got stopped. He got stopped by Ty Tuivasa. He got stopped by Pavlovic very early. And now he got stopped by Sergei Spivak and stopped in a way that led fighters to go publicly and question whether or not he tried. That, to me, is very telling, Ryan. And that is the only time in which I question whether or not it might be time because it just seems like that fire isn't burning inside of him as it used to because... He gets stopped in a certain way, and now he's getting submitted by guys that a couple years ago, man, that dude would not have gotten to Derek. I mean, you got to remember, Derek Lewis knocked out Curtis Blades yep. whenever he still cared as much about this thing as he he did back then. So, yes, Ryan, in a moment I thought, wow, maybe it's time for Derek to walk away, especially if that fire doesn't burn in you anymore. You cannot, you can't, you can't, you can't hide that. You can't, like, fake the fire to go into an octagon and fight someone. You know what, DC, whenever I think of Derek Lewis now, and I hate the fact that I watch so many movies and they pop up in my head, I think about Rocky when he was fighting Ivan Drago. And even though Derek Lewis had losses, they were to the top guys. You know, it, it, it was you finding a way to get Derek Lewis to the mat and submitting him. And so it, was, it wasn't ever like guys walked through his punches. You know, we didn't see dudes due to Derek Lewis what we saw tied to Avasa do to Derek Lewis. You didn't see guys do to Derek Lewis what we saw this weekend with Sergey Spivak because there was so much fear. You just were so scared that he would catch you with one of those strikes and the night would end right there. And then I remember when Rocky finally cut Ivan Drago, he was like, he's just a man. See, he's bleeding. He's just a man. Mm -hmm. Once guys realized that Derek Lewis had finally aged or gotten to the point where he was just a man, now skill was the ultimate equalizer in all of his fights. And people were more skilled than Derek Lewis. And if you were more skilled and you also weren't afraid of being knocked out anymore, the fights got quicker and quicker and quicker. And he was put out because he didn't instill that fear and then didn't have the skill to fall back on in any other way. Someone who, a part of this sport, had more skill, more fear in MMA or instilled more fear than anyone was Fedor Emelianenko. And I became a Fedor fan, and don't say nothing crazy, DC, because Fedor is Troy Palomalu's favorite fighter. And I always thought... 
that it was Troy's favorite fighter because their bodies kind of looked alike and they were like the ultimate. They were the greatest <laughs> in the sport. Fedor fights this weekend and loses and then announces mm -hmm. that he's retiring. In your opinion, is he the most dominant MMA fighter of all time? You know why I, you know why I smile at you? First off, before I go on there, like, you, you really have come far. Like, you talk about the Derrick Lewis thing, and I'm smiling because I'm like, look at my guy, man. Look at my guy, man. So, like, you, you know, you've come far, bro. Like, seriously. That was a great, like, you, you're really, you're, you're getting really, really good. You're getting really, really good. I'm proud of you. Um, <laughs> Thanks, though. <laughs> when I think of, when I think of, when I think of Fedor, I think of back in 2007, 8, 9, that scary guy, the Russian mm. who barely spoke. He was quiet. He was like a mythical monster that would show up mm -hmm. and he would just beat everyone. But I think for Fedor, I think he is, is, Fedor is the story of aging fighters who don't get out when they possibly, or probably should. He's 46 years old. He's fighting Ryan Bader. He gets just demolished. And then you start to forget about all the great memories yes. that he had because all you remember lately is what you're seeing and what you're seeing mm -hmm. is what you saw last weekend. I right. think that the myth of Fedor is bigger than what he is in mixed martial arts history. It's the lore. It's the tall tale. I don't believe he's the greatest heavyweight of all time. I think that belongs to Steve Miocic, but only because Cain Velasquez was injured so much. I think in terms mm -hmm. of skill, there is no one that ever matched Cain Velasquez as a heavyweight. But I believe that Stipe Miocic in the title defenses, in the long reign that he had atop the division, puts him atop. But Fedor is in the top five. And I don't think that's anything to be ashamed of. You know, when I think about Fedor, his run from, what was it, like 2000 or 01 to like 2009, 2010, yeah. was one of those runs that builds that myth. But it was always crazy to me that he was that quiet guy he didn't necessarily have this body or bravado of someone you mm -hmm. looked at as a killer but he just couldn't be beaten and wasn't beaten and then when he became more mainstream to us when it was more now we could see Fedor Emilia Linko he wasn't what he was then so to many of the masses if you aren't if you aren't an, an MMA fan who will dive into old videos on YouTube or who was around during that time and understood who Fedor was, you never got to see him at the top. And I think that's the big difference between him and a Stipe Miocic, who when we saw him at the top, when he was part of the consciousness of the MMA world and UFC and beyond, that's when we saw him at his best. And I do believe that that changes the perception of a fighter as it goes into greatest of all time, best of all time, top heavyweights in the world, which Fedor definitely was. But speaking of top fighters in the world and speaking of greatest of all time, we get an opportunity to see Alexander Volkanovsky and Islam Mahachev face off this weekend. And this is for best right now. This is for pound for pound number one. You had an opportunity to speak to both of these men over the weekend, DC, what stuck out to you about their interactions? 
Confidence? Confidence. It was both of these guys are extremely confident. And Alexander Volkanovsky carries a, a, a chip on his shoulder that will he will try to use to propel him. Because I understand more than ever, Ryan. So there's these websites, and one have, they put a quote out every week. And the quote yesterday said, the quote of the day was, I've always had a chip on my shoulder. It kind of drives me. It's something that allows me to train harder, train longer, and work better. So just that chip, that was something I said over the course of my career. And as I talk to them, it feels like Volkanovsky's carrying that same chip that they say I'm too small. They say I can't go with that guy. They say I can't beat this guy. He's unbeatable. And he's carrying that into the fight. But you know what was funny about the conversation? Was as Alex was talking and Alex was explaining why he is who he is, the whole time Islam smiled. It's like he was hearing the funniest thing he'd ever heard in his entire life. He didn't really, you could tell he takes him serious. But the things Volkanovsky were saying is something he's heard so much that he's almost immune to, oh, this guy's going to be different than the last guy because they all say it, but none of them can actually do it. It was, it was very interesting. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Yeah, you know, I think that that's what's so crazy about these two dudes is they both should be ultimately confident, right? Nothing about their recent stretches inside the octagon says that they are going to lose or that they, they've even been close 
to losing. If you if you take, you know, if you go Ortega, Max Holloway, Korean Zombie, like if you're Volkanovski, like it doesn't matter. You're always fighting people who are, are at least taller. And then you think about what Islam Mahachev was able to do to Charles Oliveira, who was running through the best of the best at 155 pounds. You say, shoot, can't nobody beat me either. And so I think you're seeing two guys who aren't just confident because they need that for bravado. They're confident because of what they've been able to accomplish in the octagon. And so I'm extremely excited for this fight. I want to see how Alexander Volkanovsky can find ways to get off of the ground when Islam Mahachev takes him down. I also want to see how Islam handles the movement, uh, the ability to get in and out that we've seen from Alexander Volkanovsky in every one of his fights that we've witnessed. And so this is a very exciting fight to me. And I think it's big for the UFC. After sitting down with these guys, DC, and knowing everything that you know about them, their ranks within the UFC, what does this fight mean for the UFC as a whole? And what does the winner of this fight become? You know, Ryan, the, the winner gets the ultimate bragging chip. He'll be the number one pound for pound fight in the world. And if Alexander Volkanovsky wins this fight, he keeps his position, but he beats the guy that people think. It's like, hey, that, that Ivan Drago analogy you made earlier. Islam is that, right? The unbeatable, the guy that's supposed to be only human. Volkanovsky gets to show he's only human. He's just a man like the rest of us. Volkanovsky gets the ultimate bragging rights if he beats Makachev because he's already the pom-pom number one. But for Makachev, he goes on the top of those rankings. He sits in a place where he has sat and watched many of his teammates go to before myself, Habib, all become number one pound for pound over the course of our careers. So that stuff means something to those guys. It is a massive fight in terms of the stakes, a massive fight in terms of the standing in the world, and a massive stakes fight for two of the most important weight classes we have had for a long time in the UFC. Long have people thought featherweight and lightweight are the two deepest weights we have in the UFC. This weekend, we get those two champions fighting each other to ultimately prove who is the best. It's as important as it gets, Ryan. I'm all in. I love it. Little Daniel is so excited. He's like, Dad, let's just make sure Saturday night, wherever we're doing <laughs> in Orlando, we're back in the hotel so we can watch the Makachev fight. Then we get into the Super Bowl the next night. Dude's all excited about this fight weekend and uh, football. It's crazy. Well, first off, I just think it's awesome, man. You get an opportunity to go watch your daughter compete and also spend that time with little Daniel watching two sports that you guys love. I think aside from being a Hall of Famer inside the octagon, you're a Hall of Fame father too, man, and that's so important. But you mentioned yourself and Habib, uh, Khabib Namorgamedov being two guys who reach pound for pound number one. Another thing that Khabib had become one of the best to ever do was coach, was lead Islam Makhachev, uh, Mahachev inside the octagon. And so I can remember hearing him explain to Islam or take Islam step by step through ways of submitting Dan Hooker. If you remember back to that mm -hmm. and, wa and watching Islam listen to those things and eventually uh, get the submission. What is it going to mean or how will it affect Islam not having Khabib Nurmagomedov in his corner for this fight against, like you have already said, the pound-for-pound pound number one in the world? 
you know, RC, it's like Khabib was playing a video game. It was like he was explaining like he was holding a controller with Islam Mahachev as the character that he was using as he got that submission. But I think I think he's come to terms with it. I think Islam's come to terms with it. I haven't had an opportunity to ask him about it, but everything I see publicly, everything I see him say uh, tells me that he's come to terms with, now I have to go and compete without my guy. And although it sucks, it does happen, right? We have been in situations before where we've had to go fight without each other or you got to fight without this guy or this guy. It just kind of happens, and I believe that Islam has many great coaches. Uh, he's got uh, many great training partners, people that are going to be there to support him, and he's going to need it because he's going into enemy territory to try and beat the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world. But, Ryan, as big as this fight is this weekend, it's not the only championship fight because Alexander, as he yeah. goes up, he leaves his division without a champion to defend the belt. The UFC has now right. booked Josh Emmett and Yair Rodriguez mm-hmm. for the interim title. You got the powerhouse in Emmett, the guy who has the wrestling skill but tends to love the knockout, and you have the dynamic fighter that, he, mm, that is so Yair good. Rodriguez. What so do you good. think about this matchup and how exciting are you about those guys being the, 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 the appetizer to the main event, the big-time thing that happens right before the main event hits the octagon? What's your feeling about this fight and how they match up? Well, I think, I think I'm excited because these two dudes are so different. If you go back to Yair Rodriguez's fight against Max Holloway, he's turned Max into a grappler, which is something we don't normally see. And then you look at Josh Emmett versus Calvin Cater and the way he was able to continue moving forward, inflict enough punishment, but also control the octagon and find a way to get the decision at the end of that fight. I want to see which man's style overtakes the other guy. Can Yair and his strikes from all different angles, the unorthodox kicks and movement, overpower Josh Emmett, who's more straight line, come right down the pipe and try to inflict his physicality on the opposite fighter. And so this is going to be as exciting because of how dynamic both of these men can be as it will be strategic in watching them kind of feel each other out and figure out the best way to go on the attack. It's, it's one of those things, DC, and, and I can be honest to you about this. I have to look at the fight singularly as opposed to holistically. Because in my mind, right, in my mind, I'm saying this. Because I believe what y- Yair gets here because Brian, Orte- or Brian Ortega gets hurt uh, while they're grappling, hurts his arm or whatever it was, shoulder, is yeah. it's hard for me to not look at this fight and think to myself, well, Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Holloway are the two premier featherweights in the world. And even though that these two men are fighting for the interim title, these are not the two best fighters in the division. And so I, once I've reconciled myself to that, I can enjoy it for the explosive stylistic matchup it is, and I'm very excited about that. Yeah, I'm excited about the fight. I'm excited about new guys to challenge Alexander Volkanovsky. That's, my, that's where my excitement lies tonight. I'm excited about the matchup because I've known Yair since he was on the Ultimate Fighter Latin America in season one. And he was not the guy that he is today. He has improved so tremendously. And 
I'm telling you, Josh Emmett has gotten so much better. And this is a guy that has done everything needed to earn a championship opportunity but just kept falling short. Or he didn't seem to be the sexy challenger. Sometimes you got to be sexy. Mm-hmm. You got to be sexy. You got to have something that always pops sexy, off the page. In pe- hey, bro, I'm trying to tell always. you, I'm a gay. You already know. You already know. I don't want to say hey, this face right here, boy. This face right here. But you got to be. You got to have something that draws people in. And maybe many didn't feel like Emmett had that. He finally gets his opportunity, and I'm so excited about it, man. I cannot wait for this weekend. It's going to be a fantastic car from Australia. But, Ryan, before we get to everything else in the show, we got to tap in the tap out. It's time. You got to tap in the tap out. Let's go, Jake. All right, guys. Dana White over the weekend announced that Sean O'Malley has signed a new eight-fight contract. As one of the sport's rising stars and with the number one next to his name, RC, tap in or tap out, O'Malley will be a champion within the first three fights of his new deal. Ooh, that's tough. Mm. Um, I tap, I, I tap out. I, I, I tap out because of the people I'm thinking to myself, Sean O'Malley will have to face. When I go back to that Piotr Jan fight, he showed he belonged. He showed he was a top five fighter. Um, Aljermaine Sterling being there now. Um, Henry Cejudo possibly being an opponent. And their experience, their ability to grapple their ability to wrestle and kind of negate some of the things that Sean does well I believe it'll be difficult for him to beat those guys so that's the only reason I tap out but I can say this if he pulls it off with that dynamic striking I won't be surprised I tap out I tap out because of the time frame it's just very fast like three more fights that's not that long to elevate yourself to a championship no he's number one I get it that's why uh, we imagine it could happen, but he's number one because he beat Piotr Jan. He went from 10 to 1, and many thought that he lost the Jan fight. So um, I'm going to tap off for those reasons, but I would not be surprised if somewhere down the line, Sean O'Malley does become a UFC champion. But Sean O'Malley gets a new contract every single time he fights. It's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Hi, guys. Rec- like Daniel Cormier. Recently, RC was a guest on the <laughs> Brilliantly Dumb Show podcast and had this take on ice cream. Ice cream is just a dessert side. Yeah. I'm a hot dessert guy, right? So I don't So you're saying ice cream can't stand alone, Ryan. Ice cream, ice cream cannot stand alone. I don't think that's fair. That's preposterous. So think about this. I got the hot brownie with the ice cream with it. Oh, that's a great play. The Alamode is a great play. So DC, tap in or tap out that ice cream is a dessert side. It's a dessert side. If I'm being completely honest with you, I don't disagree with Ryan as much as people are trying to make it seem. Just because <laughs> you do have the pie with the ice cream, you get the hot brownie with the ice cream, everything that, all those desserts that are hot, they stick the ice cream on top of it. So I don't disagree with him as much as most people, but you can eat a good ice cream by itself. You can't have a bowl of ice cream. I mean, dude, even on the airplane, they give you ice cream. DC. Even it's I listen. Okay. It is a dessert, Ryan. DC, here's why I tap out. Think about this. Now, if your ice cream is a snack, I agree with that. Ice cream is a snack. Mm. But I tap out on ice cream being a dessert because of this. You eat a dessert after you eat a meal. A lot of times, if you're going yes. to your refrigerator to get ice cream, you're just sitting on your couch and you might be you watching a fight. Yeah, so like, I want a bowl yeah. of ice cream. You right? But if I'm at a restaurant and I'm eating food, 
and I just finished my entree, I don't normally say, hey, you got a cup of ice cream? It's give me the bananas foster, give me the bread pudding, give me the brownie. And with that, they bring the ice cream out because it's an add-on, it's a side. And a lot of times you might say, nah, you put the ice cream on the side of it because I don't want it on top of my warm cookie. Just saying, DC. He makes a strong case. He makes a very strong case. Cover J, he makes a very strong case. All right, guys, last one. <laughs> with UFC 284 and the Super Bowl a day apart this weekend, if you were to place $100 on a parlay with both underdogs, Volkanovski and the Chiefs to win, you can walk away with close to $850. RC, tap in or tap out, risking a big payout on both underdogs this coming weekend. Tap all the way in. I'm glad you told me that. What? <laughs> this is... Bro, here's... Wow, that just blew my mind, Corp. For Jake, <laughs> think about this. The people that we are calling the underdog and that oh you would have to bet money on to win big mm -hmm. are both already champions, Jake and DC. <laughs> you acting like KC don't have a ring with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Oh, no. We acting like Alexander Volkanovsky ain't just ran through everybody at featherweight. Jake, oh yeah, somebody finna make them some moolah. I tap, I tap out, man. I tap out. I get, I get what you're saying, but the fact of the matter is, for as great as they are, and they would beat 99.9 percent .9 of the world, they're just in front of two, a team and a fighter that most believe that they can't beat. So I tap out. I'm not wasting my money on that. Because they're not both going to win. If one wins, okay, but not both. They're both not winning. Sorry, Ryan. You know why you say that, DC? You say that because you don't believe that Volk can beat Islam Mahachev. I know in your hey, mind hey. you already have your pick hey, of why it can't happen, which is why it will happen. And when it does happen, DC, I'm going to FaceTime you octagon side. And when I do, <laughs> answer. Pick it up, DC. Yeah. I want you to pick it up and show I'm the world going. that me and you are on FaceTime then. You know, what I might not do is FaceTime you if Kansas City wins. But I think, like, the, the cool part about this Super Bowl, which I mentioned on Monday after the games and after the teams were set, was that in Black History Month, for the first time, we have two African-American quarterbacks that are starting this game. And I also pointed to both of their fathers. I pointed to... Patrick Mahomes Sr. and also Avrion Hurts. And, and the reason I did that was because so often black fathers aren't pointed to for helping their sons to success. Black fathers aren't pointed to for being in the house and continuing to help a young man become a man. It's often pointed when that black man isn't in the house, right? It's also it's often made a story when we could say this kid overcame the adversity of coming from a single parent home. Well, neither one of these quarterbacks had to do that. Neither one of these quarterbacks have had to live without seeing their father every day. And I spoke to Doug Williams over the weekend, who was the first African-American quarterback to win a Super Bowl. And the sort of pride that he has in being able to always 
be associated with that. But now seeing the game progress to the point where we have two quarterbacks, I think that's a testament to these young men, a testament to their mothers and fathers and their support systems that have helped them get to this point. Also think it's a testament to the NFL, to coaches, to executives, finally starting to recognize the leadership skills that these young men can have and also the talent and the brain, right? Because it was always said it didn't have the intelligence to yep. play the position, giving yep. these young men opportunities to prove it. And that that's that for me, you know, I'm no insider, right? You and I just completely flip hats whenever we start talking football because you're the guy that lived it. You're the guy that still lives it today. But for me, it wasn't hidden that the intelligence was always the factor as to why most of those black quarterbacks didn't get the position. They always had the athleticism. They always had the ability. But could they handle the playbook? I'm not even a guy that lived in the world, Ryan. But I would hear that. So that tells me that I was hearing that in public places. Can they handle the playbook? Can they handle all that stuff that comes with leading a team to a championship? We now have two young black men doing that right now, heading into the Super Bowl, come from families with strong role models, strong dads that took an interest, that took the, like like us, Ryan, we want to be yep. there as fathers for our children. So we give them an opportunity. Yep. They took the initiative to live the life that they want to give their children, and it shows. And I am so proud to watch these two men lead in the way that they lead as a black man because it just gives me more hope that I'm doing the right thing for my son to give him an opportunity to do something, whether it be sports or something completely different, I'm giving him a chance, just like those dads gave their boys, who are both now leading teams in the Super Bowl, Ryan. It's an absolutely amazing thing, my brother. And uh, it, it makes me very happy to see. Yeah, man, I, I just think it's it's so dope. And speaking of our opportunities to be fathers and give our kids these better opportunities, Tell us a little bit, man, about your wrestling team over the weekend, D.C., man. I heard yeah. y'all y'all had some bumps early. It, it, it getting to where y'all had to go. But when y'all hit the mat, it was total domination. Yeah, it was domination, man. Once we got to going, you know, we had some hiccups uh, with some stuff. Uh, you know, youth sports, Ryan, can be ugly, man. And we had mm -hmm. some anonymous people trying to say our kids did things wrong and uh, didn't want them to get the opportunity. Ultimately, the right thing was done. Uh, my league, uh, was they voted on letting our kids wrestle. To, my commissioner in my conference let the kids compete. Uh, my kid, my team will get some sanctions for some of the things that we didn't know or didn't recognize we were going to do. But you know what? It is what it is because ultimately the kids get a chance. We scored almost 500 team points in that tournament. So uh, wow. Gilroy Mustangs did a fantastic job and showed, Ryan, why they are champions. And I'm, I'm, I'm proud of them. Guys, Ryan and I want to thank you so much for supporting us as you have been doing since day one. Maybe yeah. day two, because in day one, you guys really didn't support us all that much. <laughs> they didn't really we know about me. appreciate <laughs> you. They didn't know, RC. They know now, though. We love you guys for the support. We appreciate you. you find us every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcast. We're also on ESPN2, 12 midnight Eastern, 9 Pacific, every single Tuesday. But obviously, we're here today for DC and RC. But before we go, guys, I sat down with Islam Mahachev yeah. and Alexander Volkanovsky. And those guys were filled with confidence. 
And I loved being in between these two because, guys, there's so much greatness Can't shared among them as they head to the main event of UFC 284. Take a listen to the interview in its entirety right now on DC and RC. Until next time, guys, peace. We have the main event of UFC 284. We have Islam Makhachev. We have Alexander. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, actually. I should be introducing Volkanovski first because he's the powerful, powerful number one fighter in the world. So we got Alexander Volkanovski and we got Islam Mahachev joining us both from beautiful Australia. Fellas, how y'all doing? We're good. I'm good. I'm very good. Islam, you like that? Like Volkanovski is number one pop pop, so he should be introduced first, right? Brother, one through three fighters, bro. This is my jungle. He jumped to my jungle. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Boys, how's the preparation going? We are getting very close to fight night. Alexander the Great, you first. Like, how's the preparation going? How good do you feel as you head into this massive opportunity where you try to become double champ? Well, that's exactly what it is. Massive opportunity. Uh, obviously, camp, uh, it's been a long one. A long camp. I've uh, been training hard, obviously, the bulking and all that type of stuff, but everything's uh, all coming together perfectly. You know what I mean? So now we're getting the weight where we want to. Now I'm uh, as sharp as I am at bedweight, but as strong as I would be, I was a welterweight. So I'm very happy where everything is right now, and I can't wait to do work. Just around the corner. Only a couple more hard sessions. couple more hard sessions, and we're ready. Islam, what about you, man? How's training camp? How long have you been in Australia? I know you did the vast majority of the camp in Dagestan. Like, how long have you been there? How's the training been going? Training going is good. I am more than almost two weeks here, but Everything is same, just weather in Russia and Australia so different now. So hot place. It, and Sunday night is gonna be Sunday morning. It's gonna be more hot. So I get I get to this fight, right? I was in the octagon with you two whenever Islam became the champion of both. You walked into the octagon next to him. And the first thing I thought to myself is Alexander Volkanovsky is not small. No, no. When you drop the vacation, you think you made a mistake? I don't, I don't, I don't make mistake. Of course, brother, did make a mistake for him. Because his teammate, I designed a jump to the other way, showing him bad example, but he don't listen. Volkanovski, I don't make mistake. Champ, so like, when I saw you, I said he's short, but he's not small. Because in the octagon on the night, you look thick. You look big. Brother, he, he wears big shoes always. <laughs> What's up with this guy? You're giving away all my secrets now, mate. Now, but you're right. You're right. You're right. Obviously, we all know. We all know that. And I'm short. I've always been short. That doesn't matter. Everyone that I've faced is taller than me. Uh, so uh, for that to play a factor in this fight, is just silly. I, I'm, I'm one guy that uses his height very, very well. And uh, we all know uh, when you're close to the ground, uh, and it definitely helps you in the, the wrestling exchanges and getting back to your feet and all that type of stuff. So we can we can talk about short this, short that. We all know that's uh, that's always good in these sort of circumstances. So people can uh, say what they want, but obviously you're right. When you see me then, obviously I still look thick, but I had plenty of time to bulk up that little bit more. So uh, you're going to see me looking a little bit thicker, uh, a little bit thicker and. Uh, the weight would be exactly where we want to still be sharp, but uh, that need to be bigger as well. You know, I, I went into the same situation. People look at the visual 
and they think, oh, he's too small. But that's not necessarily the case. But when you stood in front of Islam for the first time, uh, what were you thinking? Looking at him, he's a tall guy for the weight class. Looking at him, he's big. What was your initial thought standing across from Islam? And Islam, I have the same question for you. Oh, mate, for me, I was excited. I absolutely loved it. Again, before the fight, I didn't know, I didn't know who I wanted because I wanted to be active. As soon as they said they wanted me in Australia, and all, oh, you couldn't take the smile off my face. You know what I mean? This is the the perfect scenario. Not only fighting soon, fighting in Australia and all that. So as soon as I heard that, I was buzzing. I was like, "Give me you there, please give me in." He goes, "Ah, get, yeah, where is this short guy? Get this short guy. All right, get in there. I want to be in there." So, uh, and mate, I absolutely loved it. You know what I mean? I look at every opponent the same. Obviously, I got respect for him now. That's why I prepare accordingly. He wants to say this is a mistake and short and all that type of stuff. Hopefully he's in training actually really thinking like that because he's going to be in for a rude shot. Islam, what was your thought when you stood across from Volkanovski for the first time? Because you guys, the, the the size differential is real, right? He did, you did look a little bigger than him when you guys stood across from each other. What were you thinking when you saw the champ for the first time? Not only the champ, but the powerful number one fight in the world. Just one thing, brother. I want to be powerful pound king. This is my new dream. This is my goal, you know, and I'm training so hard for this fight. I know Walkanowski not not gonna be easy. That's why I spent three months for the camp, and I'm training so hard for this fight. I want to be powerful pound king, not just Chen. This expectation, this mom, that this expectation that you're gonna dominate everybody, right? You are a massive favorite over Volkanovski, like. What does that feel like to you to live up to that every time? Because at this point, you just became the champion. It's not like you've defended the belt 10 times, but there is a massive amount of expectation for you to not only win, but dominate. And they're expecting you to dominate one of the greatest fighters in the world. There's a lot of pressure to there. A lot of pressure there. Uh, nothing pressure. Small guys come to my division, and I just want to, you know, show people my level. Somebody stays it's gonna be hard or easy, but everybody know they my 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 level because all my last five five or six fights I show good performance and I finish all my opponents. That's why I'm gonna look for the finish always. And my goal, I want to sorry, but I want to knock you out. <laughs> sorry, but... I like it. That's what I mean. Do you want to stay? End up in a chart fight, but we all know that that ain't gonna. We all know you want to take it, yeah. But that's all good. I'm preparing accordingly. That's what thing that uh, we know. I know, as he said, he knows he's training hard. Obviously, he knows this tough, tough, uh, tough fight for him. You know what I mean? He's they're not silly. They're smart. Yeah. They know what I'm capable of. They're gonna prepare accordingly as well. I can see that he's obviously been training hard. He's got a couple of black guys right now, so I'm sure he's doing some rounds in and uh, probably get passed up a bit of the So uh and that's good. That's good. That's what I want to say. But Volk, if he's getting touched up, if he's getting touched up in the training room and he's telling you that he's going to stand with you, I mean, that's got to feel pretty good to know, especially after the performance you had against Max Holloway. I mean, you look as good as you have ever looked in your entire career and sharp. You never get tired. You're as good on the feet as they come. Like, looking at Islam with the black eye and everything, and him telling you, hey, I want to stand with you, 
Does that make you smile? Let's keep talking about horror. Yeah, and all right. Very good boxer, you know, I have good boxing, but I'm different. I'm very good MMA fight. So that... Yeah, no, I obviously he's calculated. And uh, you sit there and you say, well, I'll be so excited uh, for the stand-up. We all know that he's going to want to shoot. He's going to, you know, do all that type of stuff. But he might be comfortable because he thinks I'm going to be easy to take down. I'm going to hold him down and all that. So I think he might be a little bit comfortable at the start. But what about if he doesn't? What if he can't hold me down? What if I bounce straight back up or I stop or I, or I frame or footwork's too much? He can't grab a hold. That's when you're going to really see him start to panic. Before yeah. that, you might think you might think it's smooth sailing. Doing uh, two things don't go to plan. I don't know. We can talk all we want. Again, for me, I know, I know, I know what to expect. Again, I I I, I watch the Islam. I watch all these fights. I know he's a great fighter. His last fight with uh, Charles Oliveira, I expected him to win. So I'm expecting the same uh, Islam that's that's always been there. So I've, I've been preparing for a guy that I know he, I know what he's capable of. But just talking to Islam, whether he was saying things or whether he actually believes it's going to be that easy. I wonder if Greg, I'll give you enough sleep. I think I'll be fine. Hey, what do you see? Different? What do you expect next fight, Islam, next fight? Which fight? The one that's coming? Is that the worst one? I'm going to tell you. I'm gonna, I guarantee you're going to be uncomfortable. You're going to have to stand with me. And then we're going to put, we're going to really, what, what I love about it, I'm hearing a lot of people say your stand-up is underrated and all that type of stuff. We'll find out. It's like a wooden stand, though. We can stand, no problem. Hey, you talk like you knock out your own opportunities. Yeah, that's all right, eh? That's all good. It's like a lot smart. It's like you had a smile on your face the whole time. I don't understand why you're smiling. I mean, <laughs> what if it doesn't? I'm so excited, man. Betting, you know. But what if, it what if it doesn't go according to plan, like Volk is saying? What if when you try to take him down, you can't take him down? What if you do? Why time? One time. Two time. Three time. Five time. Ten time. It's going to be, brother. I'm going to keep working. Keep follow my plan, and all the my opponents say I'm gonna stop his wrestling. He's not gonna take me down. But but Australia don't have wrestling. That's why I don't care. That's all. But Ali, I don't you wrestle, but I think if you're a good wrestler and you have good defense, you can go, brother. Olympic Games from Australia. <laughs> yeah, and by the way, you know, they're actually national champion. Actually, to be to be on me. He was the national champion. That's not like that. They have to in Olympic Games. That's all right. As you, as you said, as you said, this is the MMA. You yes. just got to remember, you, you've got a, we all know your hope is to try grab a hold of me and hold me down. But if that doesn't work uh, in your favor, we know how uncomfortable you're going to be in the Alex, you don't But again, he, you don't think that he can stand with you for 25 minutes? I'll be there. I got you. Hey, the thing is, that's what I said. Oh, you know, I'm going He's very, he's very, he's very, he's very calculated. He's he a very calculated player. He, he just said, you think you're Muhammad Ali? I think I'm Muhammad Ali. Oh, That's what I just think of Ali said, the great Vobanoski, right? I'm just happy. I, I know where I'm at. I'm confident in my abilities. And, and that's that. I know I can strike. I know I put a puzzle in him. I don't care if he lands punches. I'm going to need more. You know, I'm, I'm going to keep working. I'm going to fight. But I've got that fight IQ, especially no matter where the fight goes. That's, that's what's made me who I am. You know what I mean? I, I, if, you, if you look at my career and you break it all down, 
It's the fight IQ. It's a never give it up, never backing down. It, is, it goes, there's so many layers there. There's so many layers there. And you can, you can say whatever you want. We all know. I know that he's not got a great, great wrestling, uh, great uh, jiu-jitsu and all that type of stuff. But what if his only one game plan does it, it doesn't go that way? Let's see how well around it is. That's what I'm trying to say. And I, don't, I don't know. I'll find out. I'll find out. But I know I can deal with it. I can, I can deal with it wherever it goes. I'll prove there. I, I can tell you as a person that has trained with him and spent time with him for a long time, it's usually not one game plan. It's just that he's had to use one game plan. But it's something to me. Look, he doesn't need to use that. Hey, ours is Gary. That's fine. Gareth, one thing's in your mind, brother. This is not your area. This is my area. That's why right. it's so different. When you don't dig it, I get them with And you know, I, I, I try to be big guys all the time. I've uh, tried to be bigger guys my whole career. Always. You cannot be big. You can be you can be fat, but you cannot be big. You can be fat. I don't need to be big. I want to be sharp. I want to be fast. I want that movement. Yeah, I want that movement. I want to and like you said, Muhammad Ali. I'm like a butterfly. Yes, what, do you think, what do you think of Alexander Volkanovsky? Because he's kind of prod that you a little bit. He's prod that you. He's kind of. He's telling you. He's gonna tell you that he's gonna beat you. Like I, I can sense the confidence coming off of Alexander and. Why wouldn't he be confident? All he has done is win his entire career. You two are telling him. He put in his mind, he's going to take the time. I'm going to get up. But he has to make some other plan too, you know. Because it's not the same guys who take him down somewhere. All he, This is other pressure, you know. My style, it's so different. And it's not going to be shame like his training sparring partners or all these guys. It's so different, yeah. You just need to remember when uh, when we prepare, we prepare properly. We 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 break down positions. We break down things. We break break down specific opponents. We don't just do jujitsu. We don't just do this. We 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 study. We look. We know what you. We know you're good. You're good. We know where you're good. We know where you're really strong. We're gonna give. We're gonna give you that respect. But at the same time, you know, I'm gonna put myself and do the hard yards. That's why I'm. They say, yeah, so you're saying that if this isn't cockiness, this is confidence in my my preparation. I always prepare accordingly. I'm always going to do that. And it starts by respecting your opponent and knows where this fight could go. You're mad if you think I have put myself in some of the worst positions. I've done, mate, I'm doing 35 minutes straight in bad position. As late, late stage uh, submissions you can get with some of the best grapplers in the world. We've seen you know in fifth priority. We've seen you in our Ortega match. We've seen you escape something that not many fighters would have escaped. And I feel that that came down to the ardent of unwillingness to give up. Most would have said, "In I back it in." Put your put yourself in that position, and you learn a lot from that. So uh, training from there on uh, was uh, obviously a whole nother level. We leveled up uh, after that when it comes to submission and uh, defense and all that type of stuff. Purely from being in that position and knowing what you're capable of. Again, I believe in myself. I know what I'm capable of. I don't actually. I don't even know what I'm fully capable of yet. I want to find out. That's why you see me take on these challenges. That's why you see me challenging myself. You see me doing these things. I think it can be done. I believe it. I'm going to go uh, and try and take it. I get his love is a tough opponent. I know that, but I still want it. You see me last Halloween fight than you were the first two. But Makhachev, you continued to improve, but. Alexander's stature as a shorter guy, as a guy coming up in weight class, 
do you anticipate that being a little bit of an issue? Because it's a little harder to level change into a guy that's shorter. Alexander does have a wrestling background. Alexander does have a championship mindset and mentality. How do you do to Alex what you have done to so many? Because I have seen guys over the course of your career mentally check out when dealing with you. How do you do that to Alexander Volkanovsky, a guy that doesn't seem like he's ever willing to quit on himself? How do you break him? How do you smash him? Brother, you know, all the, my opponents say I'm going to defend something, but when they feel the power, the pressure, and they all give up, like, like my last time, last fight, what he say, I'm going to stop him, knock him out. But when he feels some, you know, and after first round, I give him some hard time and he think, hey, I don't want to feel this five rounds and he give up. That's why, you know, this is not, I'm not like all fighters. I have different style. I have nobody have like style. I have different power. That's why when the, my opponent feel this and they always did same things, they just give up and stop. And I, I actually, Al here to bring you up. You think Al, I, I, you think you can write out the Volkanovsky give up Islam? Of course. Why not? That's a that's something I actually agree with him when he talks about his other opponents feeling that stuff and then crumbling. So he's got to understand that I will not crumble. Like you can bet, you can try put me to sleep, kill me, whatever. All right, that's probably the only way you can stop me. Otherwise, I'm gonna keep doing what I need to do. I'm gonna fight for every single millimeter. That's the thing. That's just what I am. What I'm all about. Again, I ain't nothing special, but I'm the I put my ass in the in the gym and do what needs to be done time and time again. And now look where it's got me. And that, that mindset that I have, that mentality that I have, is why I'm in this position. That's why you see me being confident. Again, there's confidence here. You can see the respect I'm giving you. I'm telling you how good he is, why I prepare him so hard. But that's why I'm confident, because I know I'm doing what needs to be done to try and take that nice shiny belt off him. Champ, you are so confident going into this. Final word for Islam Makashev before you guys are locked into the octagon this weekend. What do you want to say to him? as the guy that's the holder of the belt in the weight class above you and the guy that seems to be another Russian machine just ready to dominate the lightweight division. Let's get it. Let's go out there and put on a show and do what we think Sam we're going to do. He's going he's gonna to try and impose his will. I'm going to try and impose my will. And that just means it's going to be a fun club for the fans. One thing I just really, really want to, again, I've enough respect for Islam. I just want to uh, say to you, to your face, Islam, you know, make me one promise and that's a, uh, Make weight comfortably and healthy, and then let's dance. Islam, you have anything to say to the champ, the number one qualifier in the world? Hey, you're fighting for more than just the fits of your title. You went this weekend, you will be ranked number one qualifier in the world. Joining many of the guys that have trained and lived at the American Kickbox Academy. What will that mean to you? And what do you say to Alexander, especially as he leaves, with make sure you make the weight before we get locked in the octagon this weekend? Brother, I don't have this weight problem. Don't, don't worry, don't worry. I am very excited, waiting for that moment. And, you know, after when I won my belt, I just don't want to, like, you know, defense, like, and and when Alec jumped to the country and I understand it's going to be new goal, new target, it's, 
it's dream for all MMA fighters to be number one pound for pound king. That's why I understand what they mean and I'm training so hard this camp, you know. That's why I'm very close and very excited. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't get number one versus number two pound for pound very often. That is our reality going into UFC 284 this weekend as Islam Mahachev tries to keep his lightweight championship from Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. Boys, you both seem to be living in beautiful palatial estates out in Australia right now. I wish I was there with you, but I will be tuning in, locked in on what promises to be one of the greatest fights of the entire year. Champ, champ, thank you for joining DC and RC. I appreciate each and every one of you, what you do and what you are to this sport. Good luck. Enjoy the fight. And boys, just really tear it up out there this week. <clears throat> ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate.